Hello, this is Michael Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. It is my pleasure to present to you the highlights of our December 2022 issue. The theme of this issue is Adverse Effects of Drugs Used in Allergy and Immunology Practice, and we thank editorial board members Allison Ramsey and Marcus Shaker for serving as coordinators for this theme. The theme review articles include an enlightening review of the FDA labeling and approval process, an excellent discussion of the significance of FDA boxed warnings and the off-label use of medications, a very practical article focused on the safety of commonly used asthma and allergy medicines in children, a thorough discussion of walking the line when using immunosuppressive medications in patients with primary immunodeficiency, a comprehensive review of the safety, adverse effects, and monitoring of existing and investigational medications for refractory chronic spontaneous urticaria, three well-written articles discussing the side effects of biologics, proton pump inhibitors, and diphenhydramine, respectively, and a very interesting review of safety considerations for natural products commonly used by patients with allergic disease. Finally, regarding these theme articles, an insightful theme editorial was contributed by theme coordinators Allison Ramsey and Marcus Shaker that does a terrific job of summarizing and contextualizing the theme review articles. This issue also introduces a new JACI in Practice feature, Topics in Quality Improvement and Patient Safety, with an inaugural review article on general aspects of the subject and a superb editorial by feature coordinators Kim Blumenthal and Nicholas Ryder that presents allergy immunology specific aspects of the topic and provides details regarding the feature. In addition, the December issue contains two very instructive review articles regarding biologics, their safety during pregnancy and their use in allergic fungal rhinosinusitis. Now I would like to present the highlights of the original articles in the issue, which are on the subjects of anaphylaxis, asthma, dermatitis, drug allergy, food allergy, and urticaria and angioedema. The first article is Impact of Reaction Setting on the Management, Severity, and Outcome of Pediatric Food-Induced Anaphylaxis, a Cross-Sectional Study by Prosti et al. What is already known on this topic? Food-induced anaphylaxis, FIA, is common among children and is frequently incorrectly managed. Data on the impact of reaction location on the management, severity, and outcome of FIA in children are limited. What does this article add to our knowledge? Home was the most common location for FIA, followed by school or daycare, other locations, and restaurants. Pre-hospital epinephrine autoinjector use was highest at school or daycare. Reaction severity and outcomes were not associated with the setting of FIA. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Our findings suggest that policies and training on FIA at school or daycare contribute to the correct pre-hospital management of pediatric FIA and that setting-specific interventions are needed to increase prompt FIA recognition and management. 
The next article is Overall Response to Anti-IL-5 or Anti-IL-5 Receptor Alpha Treatment in Severe Asthma Does Not Depend on Initial Bronchodilator Responsiveness by Mimler et al. What is already known about this topic? Positive bronchodilator responsiveness, BDR, has been an inclusion criterion in licensing trials of IL-5 and IL-5 receptor alpha antibodies for severe asthma, even though many patients in real life show a negative BDR. What does this article add to our knowledge? When comparing patients with severe asthma who had positive versus negative BDR at baseline, the overall response to anti-IL-5 or anti-IL-5 receptor alpha regarding exacerbations, oral steroid use, and asthma control was similar. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Negative BDR should not be a reason to withhold anti-IL-5 or anti-IL-5 receptor alpha treatment from patients with severe asthma. The next article is Improving Adherence in Urban Youth with Asthma, Role of Community Health Workers by Papillardo et al. What is already known about this topic? Inhaler technique is a barrier to achieving asthma control, with changing formularies, devices, and delivery systems adding to this difficulty. Inhaled corticosteroid, ICS, prescription in children with uncontrolled asthma is a necessary first step to management. What does this article add to our knowledge? We found that community health worker services were associated with improved inhaler technique, ICS possession, and adherence compared with certified asthma educator services, and that the changes in inhaler technique were sustained post-intervention. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This suggests that community health worker education and support leads to sustainable improvements in technique. The community health workers can improve ICS possession and adherence, but ongoing reinforcement is needed to sustain these important behavioral changes. The next article is Differences Between Early and Late Onset Asthma, Role of Comorbidities in Symptom Control by Turin et al. What is already known about this topic? Asthma is a heterogeneous clinical entity that can occur at any age. The impact of comorbidities on phenotypic differences in early onset and late onset asthma remains poorly understood. What does this article add to our knowledge? Early onset persistent asthmatic and late onset asthmatic patients present with a distinct pattern of comorbidities that have a differential impact on disease control. These comorbidities are associated with phenotypic differences in inflammatory markers and lung function patterns. How does this study impact current management guidelines? In the routine clinical practice of patients with asthma, careful attention to the age at symptom onset is an essential component to evaluate the impact of comorbidities and stratify for the risk of a worse outcome. The next article is the Asthma Impairment and Risk Questionnaire, AIRQ, Control Level Predicts Future Risk of Asthma Exacerbations by Buther et al. What is already known about this topic? The Asthma Impairment and Risk Questionnaire, AIRQ, a 10-item 
yes-no asthma control tool that assesses both symptom impairment and exacerbation risk has been cross-sectionally validated in patients aged 12 and older. How does this article add to our knowledge? This article describes the ability of the AIRQ to predict patient-reported asthma exacerbations over a 12-month follow-up period. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The AIRQ may augment current guidelines by increasing recognition of future exacerbation risk and facilitating shared decision-making discussions. The next article is the association of prenatal C-reactive protein levels with childhood asthma and atopy by Chen et al. What is already known about this topic? Paternal prenatal health has been linked to offspring allergic disease, but the role of elevated C-reactive protein as a marker of systemic inflammation remains unclear. What does this article add to our knowledge? Elevated prenatal C-reactive protein in early and late pregnancy is associated with maternal health characteristics and offspring asthma. Prenatal C-reactive protein elevations may partially mediate previously described associations between prenatal maternal health and offspring allergic disease. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Interventions to improve maternal health preconception and during pregnancy may be an important target in reducing offspring allergic disease. The next article is Occupational Exposures to Irritants and Sensitizers, Asthma and Asthma Control in the Nutrident Sante Cohort by Sit et al. What is already known about this topic? The role of chronic occupational exposures to irritants and asthma remains not well defined. Few studies have examined their association with asthma and especially with its control. What does this article add to our knowledge? Occupational exposure to irritants and particularly disinfectants or cleaning products is associated with current adult asthma and uncontrolled asthma. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Irritant exposure should be considered in asthma management, notably in workers with uncontrolled asthma. The next article is Magnitude and Time Course of Response to Abrocitinib for Moderate to Severe Atopic Dermatitis by Reich et al. What is already known about this topic? Abrocitinib 200 milligrams or 100 milligrams once daily combined with medicated topical therapy, improve the signs and symptoms of atopic dermatitis, AD, among adult patients with moderate to severe AD in the Phase 3 JADE COMPARE trial. What does this article add to our knowledge? We report the large and rapid response to abrocitinib 200 milligrams in patients with moderate to severe AD from JADE COMPARE using stringent thresholds for physician and patient-reported endpoints. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Insights into the magnitude and rapidity of response of treatment for moderate to severe AD may allow physicians to offer treatment alternatives on the basis of patients' differing disease characteristics and goals for therapy. The next article is the combined use of chronological and morphological criteria 
in the evaluation of immediate penicillin reactions, evidence from a large study by Romano et al. What is already known about this topic? Hypersensitivity reactions to beta-lactams are classified both morphologically, clinical signs and symptoms, in particular the type of cutaneous reaction, and chronologically, time of onset. Based on the chronological criterion, immediate reactions to penicillin appear within six hours after the last drug administration. What does this article add to our knowledge? IgE-mediated hypersensitivity can be diagnosed by skin testing in about 75% of subjects who react within one hour after the first dose, in less than 3% of those who react more than one hour to within six hours after subsequent doses, and in less than 1% of those with cutaneous reactions lasting more than one day. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The combined use of chronological and morphological criteria plays a significant role in the risk stratification of subjects with hypersensitivity reactions to penicillins. IgE-mediated penicillin hypersensitivity can be lost over time. In subjects with anaphylactic reactions, however, this phenomenon is not always definitive. The next article is Skin Testing and Drug Provocation Tests in Epidermal Necrolysis, a French Experience by Rue et al. What is already known about this topic? Allergological workup may be useful in epidermal necrolysis, EN, but outcomes are rarely reported. Intradermal tests and provocation tests have been historically contraindicated after EN. What does this article add to our knowledge? Allergological workup can be performed by specialized teams without causing adverse reactions and constitute a useful tool to identify some culprit or safe drugs. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Hypersensitivity testing in EN, although of limited sensitivity, may be useful to limit further drug avoidance. We propose an algorithm to standardize the practices of allergological workup in EN. The next article is Penicillin Allergy is Associated with Worse Clinical Outcomes in Bacterial Pneumonia by Kaminsky et al. What is already known about this topic? Penicillins are a treatment option in bacterial pneumonia. Penicillin allergy label affects antibacterial treatment options and may delay antibiotic initiation, which risks poor response to treatment. What does this article add to our knowledge? In bacterial pneumonia, penicillin allergy label is associated with an increased risk of worse clinical outcomes, including hospitalization, acute respiratory failure, intubation, need for intensive level of care, and mortality. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Risk mitigation strategies, including penicillin allergy evaluation, could be considered to optimize antibiotic use and improve outcomes of bacterial pneumonia in patients with a penicillin allergy label. The next article is peanut-specific IgG4 and IgA in saliva are modulated by peanut oral immunotherapy by Smeekins et al. What is already known about this topic? Serum peanut-specific immunoglobulin G4, IgG4, 
and IgA are significantly increased after peanut oral immunotherapy, but do not correlate to an individual's likelihood of success on therapy. Immunoglobin responses have yet to be studied at the oral mucosal surface. What does this article add to our knowledge? Peanut oral immunotherapy induces substantial increases in allergen-specific IgG4 and IgA in saliva. Salivary peanut IgA is higher at baseline in subjects who do not achieve desensitization, suggesting the increase during oral immunotherapy is beneficial for desensitization. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The data provide insight into oral immunotherapy-induced mucosal responses and suggest utility of these easily obtained samples for biomarker development. The next article is the impact of allergy specialty care on healthcare utilization among peanut allergy children in the United States by Greenhot et al. What is already known about this topic? Peanut allergy is associated with high healthcare costs and resource utilization, including outpatient and inpatient care, prescriptions, and emergency services. The impact of allergist management on containing these costs is unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? Despite higher rates of anaphylaxis and greater epinephrine autoinjector costs among patients with peanut allergy managed by an allergist, allergist care was associated with reduced total health care costs. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Despite evidence of a more severe allergy, persons with peanut allergy who are managed by an allergist have lower health care costs compared with those not managed by an allergist, highlighting the role of allergy specialty services in cost containment. The next article is Identification of Potentially Tolerated Fish Species by Multiplex IgE Testing of a Multinational Fish Allergic Patient Cohort by Calic et al. What is already known about this topic? A certain percentage of fish allergic patients tolerate specific fish species. Because food challenges with diverse species are laborious and well-defined in vitro diagnostic approaches are lacking, patients are recommended strict avoidance of all fish. What does this article add to our knowledge? We demonstrate in a large patient cohort that multiplex immunoglobulin E testing using the major allergen parvalbumin and extracts from several fish species helps stratify patients for tolerance-confirming food challenges with specific bony and cartilaginous fish. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Using multiplex immunoglobulin E testing in fish allergy diagnosis will drastically reduce the number of required food challenges and help identify tolerated fish for each patient, thereby avoiding unnecessary dietary restrictions. The next article is validation of the urticaria control test, UCT, in children with chronic urticaria by Prosti et al. What is already known about this topic? The urticaria control test, UCT, is the guideline recommended tool to evaluate disease control in chronic urticaria. Although the UCT has been validated in adult chronic urticaria, 
it has not yet been validated in children. How does this article add to our knowledge? Our findings validate the use of the UCT in the assessment of pediatric chronic urticaria and chronic spontaneous urticaria, and we defined a cutoff value for poorly controlled disease. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Our findings validate the guideline-recommended tool for assessing chronic urticaria disease control in children. The favorable clinometric properties of the UCT and ease of use further support its use in pediatric chronic urticaria and to guide management. The last article is Effectiveness of Hydroxychloroquine and Omalizumab in Chronic Spontaneous Urticaria, a Real-World Study by Khan et al. What is already known about this topic? The real-world effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine in treating patients with antihistamine refractory chronic spontaneous urticaria, CSU, is not well-defined, nor is its relative benefit compared with omalizumab. What does this article add to our knowledge? Hydroxychloroquine achieved complete control of urticaria in two-thirds of previously uncontrolled patients with CSU after at least one year of treatment versus 82% achieved with omalizumab, although clinical effectiveness was not apparent at three months in most patients. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Hydroxychloroquine should be strongly considered as add-on treatment for patients with CSU uncontrolled after optimized doses of antihistamines and those unresponsive to second-line therapies, including omalizumab. Thank you for listening to the highlights of the December 2022 issue of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. This is Michael Schatz, and I hope you find this issue beneficial for you and your patients.